The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. You guys are here in a very unique, one-of-a-kind city that there is no other on the planet. And so I am honored to be here with you in the middle of your story of what God is doing here. And I, I love the songs that we just sang earlier about his reckless love is chasing us down and that Jesus is our defense. And I want you to know that his love is so powerful and real. And uh, I am actually honored to be here this morning to share a story and a message of confession. Uh, this is a little nervous for me because your pastor, Matt, is a, an amazing communicator, a dynamic communicator. And, and my teaching style this morning is going to be a little bit different. It's more of like telling three stories in a poem and sending you home, okay? <laughs> uh, and, and I'll throw a scripture in there too. <laughs> and, and we'll be done soon. So, but, but I just want to just on a, on a hello and an opening, just let you know a little background of my, my life so you kind of know who's saying hello to you this morning. But I do want you to know, again, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here at Story City Church. And I'm also glad that you're here in LA, a very unique, one-of-a-kind city that there is none like it in the world. And God has you here at this address. And my hope and prayer as we leave here today that we'll be able to answer this question that may where you live be better because of you. That may where you live be better because of you, because I don't live here, but you live here. And God has you here in this one-of-a-kind, unique city. There's no other city like it in the world. And so this morning, I want to just share a little uh, background on, on who I am. Uh, I grew up in the home of a pastor, which means that my therapist is on speed dial. <laughs> so uh, I'm a preacher's kid, but then my mother and father moved our family to Haiti to be missionaries in 1983. And my father sold the home and the sailboat and started a mission to the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So we've been serving there 35 years now. And uh, my dad has since passed away, but our mission continues because our vision was to raise a generation of Christian leaders. And our mission was to change the life of a child. So we would go into a community and establish a church and then alongside it establish a school. And so today in Haiti... Uh, we actually have 30 churches established there, and we have five churches established in the Dominican Republic to the glory of God. So it's pretty awesome what God's doing. Yeah. And your church is a part of that story, and um, I'll share a little bit more about that before I go home today. But um, I want you to, to just take a moment, and I want you all just to breathe for a second, okay? Everyone breathe. All right. You feeling good? Ready to dive into this, how to love your neighbor? I know that sounds a little nervous, doesn't it? Because some of us have those neighbors that you know they're your enemies. <laughs> You're just like, have you met my neighbor? I, you, you laugh out of defense. You're like, he's like, I mean, he's trying to protect himself. Like, I mean, have you met my neighbors, <laughs> right? And you're going to, there's this guy flying in from Orlando who's telling me, go love your neighbor. Then he's jetting town. Like, he's, he hasn't even met my neighbors. Like, easy for him to say. <laughs> you, do you even know my neighbors? So, um... I want you just to breathe for a moment, because uh, I want us to open up God's word to Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. If you brought your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to that. If you have it on your smartphone, you're welcome to scroll, tap, flip, swipe. And then the rest of us, we can look up at the screen. I'm going to throw the scripture up on the screen in just a moment. 
So Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. And let's hear what Jesus had to say about this. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your scripture today that is alive and well and speaking to us, God. May we not just know it, but may we obey it and live it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus was begged the question, really, so teacher, can you sum up the laws? And so here he says to love the Lord your God with all your your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he really gives this action point at the end of it, which is really what that looks like. So he sums up all the laws with the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then says the second is like it. And it's there for us to live out what loving God looks like. Because I'm going to make a statement right now, and, and, and you may not agree with me, but just, just stay with me for a moment. That loving God isn't enough. That loving God isn't enough. Because that's not where Jesus wanted to leave us, was just to make it all about us. And we're going to love God, and it feels good, and it is good. And it's beautiful, and it is a gift. But where the power of love shows itself is when we share his love with others. You know, I love in the scripture, it talks about if you confess your sins to Christ, he will forgive you and cleanse you of all your sins. Have you heard that? And then it says, but if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. See, there's forgiveness in Christ. Because whoever finds God finds life. This is a life-giving church. That's what I love about this place. It's a life-giving church. There's hope, there's joy, but there's life. But then in relationship, that's when healing happens. Do you know why? It's because it's relational and me too. So I, I can say, wow, I've gone through this struggle. And you can go, yeah, me too. And all of a sudden you go, really? And we feel stronger together. We find healing in relationship. So without the loving others... We miss out on really all the hope and help that God wants to give our lives. I don't want us to miss that today. And so, um, so bear with me about the statement that loving God isn't enough. Because the more that I travel and the more that I work overseas and the more that I'm on the road here in the States, I stopped counting uh, in January at the end of the month when I was already on 30 airplanes. I was like, okay, this is enough. i got to stop counting. But I'm convinced that today in our culture, more than ever, that there is a war on love. Because the devil hates love. Because God is love. Let me say it again. There is a war on love. Because the devil hates love. Because God is love. You see, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. And so I grew up hearing the statement that Jesus loves me. This I know for the what? Bible tells me so, or the Sunday school teacher, or the youth worker, or the kids teacher, you know, right? I mean, so some of us grew up hearing that our whole lives. And so lately I've been asking the question, why? You know, why does Jesus love you, and why does Jesus love me? Jesus loves you and me 
so we can share his love with others. In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. So I just want to take a moment and we do something physical. Just tap somebody and say, tag, you're it. Okay, tag, you're it. So that's the, that's the power of love. Tag, you're it. Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me so we can share his love with others. Do you ever grow up playing that game, tag? We just started it. It's going to be like the endless game of tag at Story City Church. Just keep tagging people the rest of the year. Tag, you're it. And they got to run out and share his love with others. So here's my story. Friends, um, it's going to get a little bit real for a moment here. Um, I was flying home from being overseas. We had just got done dedicating a new church. And I landed in Miami, Florida. And I called my wife, Cheryl, to check in with her because she had gone away with her mother who had recently became a widow. And we had lived in Altamont Springs, Florida. And she began a road trip with her mom up to Savannah, Georgia. And so I wanted to check in with my, mom, my, my, my mother-in-law and my wife and just see how things were going because it was a very emotional time for my mother-in-law. But I need to put this into perspective for a moment. Um, my wife is a registered nurse, and she has her MBA, and so her emotions are very evenly keeled, okay? I'm the musician in the family, which means my emotions fluctuate based on the pizza topping last night, Okay? <laughs> So I got on the phone with my wife, I'm in Miami, like, hey, beautiful, how, how's the trip going? And my wife is crying. And I'm thinking, Pastor Matt, like, what has gone wrong? And then she said to me, I don't know why, but I really feel like you and I should move closer to my mom. Now, let me just talk to the men in the room for a moment. <laughs> Gentlemen. I know everybody loves Raymond, but I'm not Raymond. And I'm thinking, I mean, men, help me for a moment, okay? I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, the only thing I could say to my wife in that moment was, maybe we should go find a place to rent and try it out for a year, okay? Gentlemen, I am not committing to the idea of living near my mother-in-law. So help me, God. So... Needless to say, about a few months later, my wife was at a wedding with her sister-in-law. I was out of town speaking at a church, and her sister-in-law says, hey, you know, there's a home that is for sale in our neighborhood. It's actually in foreclosure, and it's about to fall into auction. It's going to be a, a super deal. You really should come take a look at it. So I got back home from the trip. We scheduled an appointment to go see this house. We walk in. We both are like, we, we got to live here. And the house was only five miles away from her mom. So we won the bid at the auction for that house, and we move in, and now we're living five miles from her mom. What I didn't tell you is that the house we were living in was my wife's childhood home. And the home that we were going to move out of was hard to leave because, see, out back at that home, my father-in-law had built and this is actually interesting to say it here this morning, built a Hollywood kind of pool, like the ones you'd see in the movies. I mean, this was the pool that when you go out back, you're like, whoa, 11 foot deep with a diving board. Man, it was like old school awesome, okay? And so I would go home after traveling the weekends, and I would camp out in the backyard and just hunker down and kind of recharge and 
Some people think I'm an extrovert, but I think I'm like an introvert wannabe. And so I would go hide out back at the pool. And I mean, I knew I had neighbors on both sides of me, but I, first name basis, but I didn't really know anything about them. And so I didn't really want to move out of this house. It was kind of like my little haven. So when we moved into this new home, I, I, I said to my wife, I said, I'm, I'm really feeling convicted because I traveled the country at that time and I was speaking a message about your mission field is right where you are. But I wasn't living it. Because I'd go home and I would hide out back and didn't really care about my neighbors. And so we moved into this new home and we, we asked this question, could it be that we would live as if your mission field is right where you are? Your mission field is right where you are. In essence, what we're asking is, God, could you use me right here? God, could you use me right here, right where I live? Because I confess, I did not love my neighbors where we, where we moved from. I really didn't care about them, didn't know them, and it didn't bother me at the time. But when we relocated, all of a sudden, my heart was being shaken that I needed to get to know my neighbors. And one of the first events where I got to meet our neighbors at was at the annual HOA board meeting. So if any of you have an HOA, a homeowners association, you know what I'm talking about? Like, we need a savior, Lord Jesus, please come. I mean, like, this first annual board meeting where I was meeting some neighbors, literally it was the one where they sent the sheriff to meet there to protect the homeowners from the board of directors. It was like one of those hostile annual meetings. I mean, this is the annual meeting, the big one, not the monthly little ones, the big one. I'll never forget, there was uh, the tables down front, the board of directors were sitting there, and then there were like round tables and chairs for the neighbors. And there was this lady in the back of the room, an older lady. And she stood up and she began yelling to the board members. The fence at the entrance is a mess. When are you going to paint the fence? And she's like yelling with the top of her lungs, man, just shouting to the board members, when are you going to paint the fence? And then this little old lady, she, you know, she's standing yelling, and she said something brilliant. Then she said, she goes, if you don't paint the fence, we'll paint it ourselves. <laughs> I'm like, man, that is awesome. <laughs> and I had, I like walking in the mornings. And, uh, so I was out walking in the neighborhood, and I started meeting some neighbors. And uh, this is kind of what would, what would unpack at that moment in time. I'd be out for a walk. and be somebody out getting their mail or something. Hi, my name's Tim. Hold on for a minute. Did y'all see this? Can y'all see that? Watch this. This is an exchange of human behavior that's amazingly universal. We practiced this for an hour before service. So this is profound. Watch. Hi, my name's Tim. Hi, I'm Trevor. Trevor, great to meet you. Hey, listen, this is exactly what I would say to Trevor. Hey, Trevor, I live right around the corner. If you ever need anything... Would it be all right if I text you my phone number? I left my phone under the chair, but I have a contact in my smartphone and my iPhone, which is, these are amazing devices. I created a contact just for my neighbors. So it says Tim and Cheryl do tell us 35454 Pine Gate Trail, my cell phone number. And so I would text Trevor my neighbor contact. You know what the title in my contact is for my neighbors? Neighbor. It's profound. You know, because a lot of us, you know, you all work in different areas of life, and, and somebody could meet you in the professional environment, and you're like, this is who I am. They're like, whoa. Or in the neighborhood, it's not like, you know, do I rank? Do I don't rank? You know, 
So we're neighbors. We're just humans. We're living together in this community called wherever you live. So I wanted to be their neighbor. I kind of feel like Mr. Rogers, but that's another story. We'll, we won't go there. So I would text Trevor my contact information, but guess what I got in a gift in exchange? I got his number. So when the lady shouted out, we'll paint it ourselves, I thought to myself, I got to text some of the neighbors. So on a Saturday morning, a bunch of our neighbors gathered at the entrance. And we actually uh, took a phrase from a mutual friend of ours and Pastor Matthew, Matt's former pastor, Johnny Hunt, he had this phrase, love loud. So we called it love loud in our neighborhood, which y'all are going to be doing here in LA. And, and so it's pretty awesome. We get down there on a Saturday morning and we're, we're going to start painting the fence. And I'm like, oh, excited. And then all of a sudden, Richard shows up and Dwayne shows up. Different neighbors that did not like one another. I mean, that you could feel the anger. They were like, he's here. They were like mad. Like, I mean, you could feel the anger. At the entrance, these were neighbors that hated one another. And then about an hour or so into it, the paint's rubbing off each other, you're sweating, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And they, they started realizing that they were good neighbors. And what we discovered was that good neighbors make great neighborhoods. That good neighbors make great neighborhoods. Now, now, now friends, this isn't really deeply spiritual right now, this is just living, okay? Can I just be honest with you? Like, your neighbors want to know that you're human. I mean, they know who you are right now, okay? So, but, but my, point, my point with this is that we're just doing life together. We were painting a fence. I, I wasn't taking them through a study of Deuteronomy or anything. You know what I'm saying? We were painting a fence. But what that did was it made the neighborhood great, And to me, that's at the moment when the love that we have experienced from God becomes personal to the lives of those around us. They just want to see that you're real and that we're sharing life together. Speaking of sharing life together, um, we started going out with some of our neighbors to go have dinner. And and the book that I wrote that you're going to get a free copy of today, um, I talk about the three types of time that we spend with our neighbors, together time, table time, and teaching time. You know, together time is just, you know, hey, bump into one another, you're hanging out, it's just together time. Table time is about food. I'm Italian, I love to eat, it's my love language. So, so when you're around a table with people, a lot of those barriers start to drop. So on a lot of times, on a Friday night, we'll text a bunch of neighbors, hey, we're going out for pizza, wanna meet us. On 4th of July, it just happened, we texted a bunch of neighbors and says, hey, we're keeping it cool, we're staying inside, we'll meet at five guys at noon. We'll have 20-something neighbors show up at Five Guys just to hang out and grab burgers and drinks and fries and enjoy Fourth of July together as neighbors. All different walks of life. Just table time. That's pretty cool. But there was this one night we went out, we texted neighbors, hey, we're going to have dinner, and then we're going to go bowling. And I can't stand bowling. I hate bowling. But (laughs) you sure get to know one another when you're bowling, okay? I don't know if it's the goofy shoes or just, like, the motions, you know, it's kind of like, you know... They're like, you know, Fred Flintstone or something, you know, like trying to get into, into gear. So we're out bowling. No joke. We had 21 neighbors show up to go bowling together. And it was awesome because you got, you got parents and kids and talking about all kinds of things in life and pets and cats and work. And it was amazing. We got to know one another. And what we experienced was that life is better together. 
that life is better together. And friends, let me tell you, God did not design us to live in isolation and alone. That's exactly where the enemy wants us because when we're isolated and alone, then we can begin to listen to the lies and the doubts in our hearts and our minds and fall into depression and feel weak. But when we're together, there's strength, there's support, there's encouragement. Encouragement is about pouring courage into people's lives. And that's what we began to experience was that life is better together. I love what it reads in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So you may want to be a follower of Christ and be called one of his disciples, but how will the world know? How will the people in our neighborhood know that we're one of his disciples is if we have love for one another. It doesn't mean that you, again, take them through Deuteronomy. It's just you're loving your neighbors. God will take care of all those details. Watch this. Um, there's this guy in my neighborhood. His name is George. Lives to the left of me. And George and Marlene invited my wife and I to go out for dinner together. They said, we'll drive. So we go to their house. We get in their car. And we're leaving for dinner. And Marlene, the wife, turns into the back seat and says to my wife, are you all Christians? And my wife says, yes, we are. To which she responds, George, I told you they were Christians. They couldn't be that nice if they weren't Christians. <laughs> and then she says, we are too. And at dinner, George, let me just say his language was a whole other language, okay? The next morning, Marlene calls my wife to apologize for George's language. Yeah, really sorry about George. You know, we're still praying for George. <laughs> and a few weeks later, uh, we have a fire pit out back. Um, we, we live in the country outside of Orlando now. And there's a fire pit out back behind our house. And so we had some neighbors over to do, do a little campfire time together time. And uh, George and I are walking back to the driveway and George is elbowing me. Hey, 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 hey. my language is better tonight, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yeah. So uh, <laughs> George um, eventually prayed in my backyard and made a decision that he'd follow Jesus. And uh, gets me emotional this morning because I confess I did not always love my neighbors. But now I can't imagine life without them. And uh, so George, I had texted some of the guys. I'm like, hey, would some of you like to come over to my house for a, a men's Bible study? And I, all I wanted to do was, was read through the book of Proverbs together and then ask questions about, was there anything in that chapter that spoke to you? And just kind of everyone share whatever was on their mind. And I sent out the text invite and George was the first one to respond to the text message. And what he texted back to me meant so much to me that I took it and wrote it on a post-it note and put it in my prayer closet. Because you know we all got prayer closets and post-it notes after the war room movie, right? I mean. <laughs> and he wrote back to me, Tim, I'll do whatever it takes to grow closer to God and my friends. 
because life is better together. And good neighbors make great neighborhoods. And it starts when we say, my mission field is right where I am. Now with George, I did not change George's life. All I did was love him and feed him a little bit. I mean, I, I want to bring the band back up right now and break out into that song. That's the power of love. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, seriously, that's the power of love. Did I mention there's a war on love? Because the devil hates love? Because God is love? Jesus made it very clear for us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but that wasn't enough. He then said, go, go love your neighbor. That's where change happens. I love what Dr. Martin Luther King said. Dr. Martin Luther King wrote, the darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Friends, you live in a very unique city. One of a kind. There's not another one like it in the world. I don't know your home address. I don't know where you live. I don't live there. But God put you there. And my hope and prayer is that may where you live be better because of you. Now in our neighborhood, 25% of the homes attend Bible studies in our neighborhood. And uh, I, my heart's broken because where I once lived, I didn't care about them. I was selfish and just hiding out back at the nice pool, the diving board. But now our home's the most visited home in the neighborhood. And out back, they text me when they're at the fire pit waiting on me. Like, hey, are you home? Come on out. You know? <laughs> I love my neighbors. Because I've experienced that life is better together. We've discovered that good neighbors make great neighborhoods. And I want to live as if my mission field is right where I am. So I leave you this morning uh, with a scripture that has really been speaking to me, and it's in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, Acts chapter 8, verse 4, and it reads this, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And when that scripture was written in Acts, it was during a time of persecution, so the church had to be scattered. And so this morning as you go from here, you're scattered. Are you being persecuted? Maybe not directly. Maybe someone's not coming up to you with a gun pointed to your head and saying, stop loving me in Jesus' name. But there is persecution. There is opposition. But Jesus is our great defense. And this is where it starts for us. It starts with us saying, God, I'm going to love you. Because this is when we can't love our neighbors. Is when you and I don't know his love. See, I fly a lot. I get on airplanes and they always make this quick announcement. Hey, in case of an emergency, an oxygen mask will drop from above. And then what do they tell you? Something brilliant. Put it on yourself first before you put it on anyone else. Can you see it? I'm flying back to Orlando with my wife and kids. It's like, plane does the crazy thing and the mask drops. Never seen it before, but it finally works. It drops. And I grab it and I look at my wife and my kids and say, wait a moment. I need to fill up first so I can love you. That's what God's saying here when he says, love me with all your heart. 
so you can be filled up with his love. The reason we don't love our neighbors is we haven't let him love us first. So first, I gotta say, friend, this won't work without Jesus. Would you let him love you? Would you let him recklessly chase you? Would you say, hey, I don't feel lovable. That's okay. The cross said, I love you more than you'll ever need. And that's hard to accept. It's been hard for me to accept. But here's the gift. When you let God love you, he then lets you love others. And to me, that's when the kingdom of God comes to earth. So I want to pray with you guys this morning because we're going to be scattered here in a moment. And it's my hope and prayer that may where you live be better because of you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for my dear friends here at Story City Church and how you have uniquely placed them here in this one-of-a-kind city. God, you know where they live, but you also know their fears and concerns. So would you fill them with your love, God? Your supernatural love that we can't explain, that's a gift? Thank you. And then God, would you orchestrate the moments so we can just be good neighbors that make great neighborhoods? Step aside from the sophistications and just be, be people, sharing life together. And God, would you then change lives for your glory and all God's people say.